Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. Ruth is a visiting professor at a large university in Ireland, and Claire is an associate professor at a primarily undergraduate university in Northern California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. I'm Claire. And I'm Ruth. And today we're talking about student accommodations. But before we do that, Claire, how was your week? My week was good. I felt like I expanded the one thing at a time thing, which so normally I think about one thing at a time, meaning at every given moment, I'm just working on one thing. And remember that you're you choose which thing you're working on and you don't try to do five things at once. But last week, I felt like I kind of applied that to like a whole day. Like on Tuesday, it was a research day. And I didn't really mean to do that, but it was like I started doing a research thing and then I did a different research thing. And then, you know, there was still office hours and a, a teaching lab in there. But when I when I was choosing what to do outside of those things, it was all research. And that was really like relaxing, you know, there was just one umbrella of things to think about. And then the next day I was working on developing the final project that the students were in and figuring out which groups they were going to be in and um you know, handing out all the materials that I needed for the final project. And so it, it really became more of a teaching day. And it was kind of nice, just peacefully and in my mind, not having 25 things to be like, this is, I'm only thinking about teaching today, or I'm only thinking about, it was kind of nice. So I was thinking one thing at a time, maybe it's more, could even be broader than I love moment, it, you know? Well, you know, recently the girls were asking me something, because like, Quite a lot of schools here have school uniforms and they okay. don't. But we were driving by someone and I was like, oh, that's my my old school uniform. They were like, what? Oh. What are you talking about? They were like, really, like, it was bizarre to them. But I loved having a school uniform so much because you didn't have to think about what you were going to mm-hmm. wear. But yeah, sometimes choice. But like, if you're just like, that's what I'm doing today. Today's the research right. day. Right. It can be kind of liberating. It was. Because, you know, there's always... 50 things you could be doing, but if you're only going to do research, well, maybe there's only five or 10 things you're choosing. And then you pick just one and you're just doing the one thing, but totally, it's just a little bit fewer. I don't know. It was just relaxing. Yeah, I like this. I'm, I want to hear more about this. I want to see how this goes. Yeah, so theme I have a quote from this book called Life on the Tenure Track by James mm. M. Lang. Oh, and wow. I this think we might... Yeah. Super interesting. It's super interesting. I've only just started it, but I think it might be a fun book for us to talk about on the podcast. And he's talking about his first year of being on the tenure track and kind of what it entailed. And I just find it all so relatable. So I wanted to tell you a quote from his um, first day of class. This is the first day he's teaching class. He says, I have what I think is an innovative plan for the first day. And I stick to it, despite my desire to throw copies of the syllabus at my students and run from the room sobbing tears of relief. I'm going to engage them by introducing the course, asking them to read a short, controversial essay, and leading to a brief discussion. Afterwards, in the warm glow that follows an exciting intellectual conversation, I will hand out the syllabus and whet their appetite for the course. So I introduce the course, which takes four minutes less than the five minutes I had allocated in my lesson plan, (laughs) then give them the essay. I pace, waiting for them to finish reading and give me a signal that they are ready to talk, fold their hands on the desk and look at me expectantly, perhaps. Most of them just keep staring at the article, even those who are obviously done reading. Finally, I decide I can't postpone things any longer, however desperately I want to. 
The moment I begin this discussion will be the moment I could begin failing at my new job. Thus far, I haven't done anything wrong. My teaching record in my first year on the tenure track is still perfect. So anyway, it goes on. But I just love it. It's so relatable, so well put. <laughs> I was just busting oh, up reading it yesterday. Oh, my that's goodness. a very similar dis- description of my first class teaching. Oh, yes? Well, I, I just remember I like zipped through all the material in like three minutes or something. I was like, yeah. this was not 50 minutes of material. <laughs> it's like just, oh, my God. It was very I know. distressing. Yeah, definitely. And you're like, sure, I'll introduce the class five minutes. I love it. And then you introduce the class and you're like, this is instrumental analysis. And I'm Professor Claire Till. And you're like, oh, that took 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) It's so awful. It's just, yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, totally. My first year teaching, I definitely had my worst fear was running out of course material. And not and still having more time on the lecture yeah. clock, you know, and so I would always prepare like twice as much as I needed, which was good because then I had a leg up on the next class. But goodness, just uh, anyway, I love I'm, I'm super maybe it'd be fun to chat about that book. And if you want some fun, relatable stories about it, I highly recommend Life on the Tenure Track by James N. Lang. Oh, my God. Which I'll yeah. And the notes. I'm thinking about, I don't think I've ever had a first class go well. Like, oh, ever. No. do you know what I mean? It's never well, it's yeah. never gone. It has gone really bad, but it's never gone just magical. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's never been mm-hmm. like, yeah, like it takes quite a while before students, mm-hmm. they just look so skeptical the mm-hmm. first, yeah. One of the things in this book, he was talking about, how, well, his first day didn't go as bad as it could have gone. And he was listing off, you know, he didn't trip over the cable that went to the projector screen and his fly was up. And I was like, my fly was down on the first <laughs> lecture of my <laughs> instrumental analysis class. And so it's just so funny that... Well, he was I, even thinking about that. <laughs> I fell down like a set of stairs. Did I ever tell you this? Oh, no. Yeah. Like I finally got a smartphone and was totally reading it and fell down some stairs and oh, no. a student had to pick me up. And it was I was just like, if that student is in my class, like I will just quit and leave. Like I've never. It was, yeah, terrible. Was but, the um, student in your class? No, they weren't. So that was good. <laughs> but I was hobbling, like, in a lot of pain because I totally sprained oh, my ankle. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, not cool. Oh, my goodness. So, can I tell you a thing about my week because I'm very excited about it? Yes. Oh, um, I skipped your week. I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um, I was just I, so excited about my class. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally... <laughs> okay, I, yes, please tell me. Well, so I have... Okay, so I've always been very curious about sea swimming. Uh-huh. And... I also have this condition in my legs, which is quite, it just leads to swelling in my legs. It's called lymphedema. Okay. And I kind of finally found out that swimming is really good for it because it basically is like wearing compression garments, like swimming because mm. it's, but I, um, I told my foster sister and she was like, okay, we're doing it. We're getting in the ocean. And I was like, whoa, 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 hang on there. Like, let's plan this. Issue. No, we're going two days from now. And I was like, okay. So we went in February to go sea swimming and it was the coldest thing it was absolutely bananas, but it was so mysterious. There was like maybe 30 women just coming, getting in like to this freezing cold water. Out they got, off they went. And they all had tips and tricks to tell us. And it was just, I mean, it was really an interesting experience physically because it was mm-hmm. so traumatic and like intense. But then afterwards you feel amazing. Like you oh, feel cool. so good. But then also I'm just like, who are all these people? Wow. And so, yeah. So apparently in Ireland... When lockdown happened, like this became a real thing that people did, but then they Mm -hmm. just kept going. 
And wow. so they go all year round, like in the depths of winter, no wetsuits, just marching in in their swimsuits. So how long do you stay in the water? When it's... I think we were probably, I was in there for three minutes, like three literally. Minutes. I was, uh-huh. wasn't anticipating the like shock level. Uh-huh. Like, but like most people would just like swim around a little bit and we're hoping we can build up to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, it's very intense. That sounds awesome. It sounds really cool. I mean, first of all, I think of the sea as such a healing place for so many yes. things. And then swimming's healing. And it just sounds lovely. It also reminds me of, so I went to undergrad at Bates College in Maine, and we would have this puddle jump in the winter, probably in February, where there'd be like a, we had a little pond, and it was frozen, and you'd cut, the, well, oh the, the oh outing God. would cut wow. a hole, and then you'd jump in uh, to the freezing water. And it was really fun. But, <laughs> I mean, I remember, like, I had my friend, she was kind of short, and she was a little worried about her ability to get back out of the water after we For jumped real, in. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll help you. Don't worry. And we jumped in together, and it, as soon as I hit that cold water, I forgot everything. I didn't even remember <laughs> anything except that I needed to get out of the water. <laughs> That's so <laughs> awesome crazy. to find your mercenary uh, side. It was, like, That's instantaneous. Like... Oh, my God, I love that. Really, I like... know standing on her <laughs> using her as a ladder to get <laughs> but no for real though I like I yeah yeah I mean it was it was sorry <laughs> no it was instantaneous I was like I'm gonna jump in and then I'm gonna help Katie out and instead I jumped in and just didn't remember that Katie existed you know oh I um, yeah no I it was like being it was so intense and then afterwards, because I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And then immediately afterwards, I was like, when are we going to go again? Because I feel oh, so cool. good right now. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I think... That sounds Because awesome. I, I love swimming. So, I mean, my swimming is very barely above a doggy paddle. Like, it's not... I'm not doing the crawl or anything. But I okay. um, I find swimming pools just such a pain. You know, because you've got to have the opening hours and the time. And like, it, so this feels very liberating. If this became an option... Sure. That feels very exciting. That's awesome. That you could just pop down to the sea. Yeah, the ocean's always there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel possible where we lived before because that that water was, like, real cold where we were. It was very cold. Yeah. Northern California, we get lots of cold water. Yeah. And I think Irish water is, like, I mean, it's not warm having just done that, but I think it's warmer than it should be given that we're, like, at the latitude of Alaska. Like, I think... There's this North mm. Atlantic current or something, so it's not. I mean, it's still very cold. I just want my warriorness still to very be cold. I'm sure. that I'm like it's very cold, very very cold. But anyway, so yeah, what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about student accommodations, and um, mostly, at least, I'm thinking about this from the lens of Student Disability Resource Center. Yes. Um, coming up with some accommodations to fit whatever the student's disability is and then how we implement those in the classroom. Is that kind of what you're thinking Totally. About and it's super interesting that you had that quote about the first day of class because I can remember on my first day of class a whole bunch of students handing me all these documentation and I was like, I don't know any, like I do not know what this is. <laughs> like I have uh-huh. no idea. And so just being so baffled about that. And I kind of feel like, I've been on like a slight journey since that first day in figuring all this stuff out. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. 
Oh, I can't wait to hear your journey. I yeah, I had forgotten, but you remind me now. Yeah, my first day of teaching too. Somebody was like, "Here's my disability document," and I was like, "Thank you." You know, but I just didn't know what it meant, what like, I would do. Of course, do with this it. is what this is, but I don't know <laughs> like what it is. So yeah. Oh, great! Yes, I was expecting that. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Um, yeah, what's working for you? So I think one thing that's working for me and. It's something that kind of evolved for me. And then I also heard it at a conference, which was good. But um, to always be official, because it's more equitable. And I think I had in the beginning, in my various iterations of trying to be everybody's best friend, being like, oh, yeah, fine. Like, oh, you say this is what you need. This is what you need. And we'll figure it out. And I have had students who were like, I have this issue, but I don't want to go through the official channels. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think just now having a blanket like, oh, sure, like once you're registered, we can totally figure something out. But just making sure to always have it be super official. And okay. I think one of the things from the equity point of view was like, like how do you decide? Who are you to decide necessarily mm-hmm. whether you're going to accommodate something or not? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so that has been a thing I feel like I've kind of learned through time. Mm hmm. The other thing I think I'm going to talk about more in the working on, but this, you don't, you can, okay, saying no is not quite what I mean, because obviously you have to accommodate people and you should, but that you do, doesn't mean you have to do absolutely everything that the student might request. Okay. You know what I mean? So what's, what's so, an example of that? Well, so kind of feeds into, so one thing that worked for me, and I think I've talked about this on here, that um, I used to do my midterm exams during a lab period so it's three hours long and so that was super helpful some students did feel like they wanted to be in the classroom with the other students taking the exam so they could just ask you stuff as stuff came up and so this kind of that worked for me that then students time wasn't an issue you know you had the whole three hours to take the exam and you know that was fine but one thing that happened once was somebody had double time and they were insisting that they would get six hours in the resource center. And that's not possible in the resource center. There is no six hour period. And they wanted me to divide the exam into three exams. And it just became this whole thing. And so now I'm more careful to say this exam is one hour long. Like mm-hmm. it's written to be one hour long and you can have up to three hours to take it. Do you know what I mean? But it's not I see. officially... So that was something I don't think was reasonable to have six hours to take an exam mm-hmm. that was written. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the amount of work became like pretty onerous, both on me and the resource center. So that didn't feel reasonable. Mm-hmm. And even on the student, too, to take three sections oh, yeah. of the exam and that many hours and all that when when really it is just a one hour exam and they just can take two hours to take it yeah totally and I think they were coming from an anxiety point you know what I mean and once they took Mm -hmm. the exam they were like oh this is only an hour long and it was fine Mm -hmm. but it just yeah so I think that makes sense yeah and like I've had so many students who are like not recently but more in earlier days who were like oh I think I have this situation going on but I don't I can't get the paperwork and I can't get the diagnosis and that's so tricky but then Mm -hmm. I'm not the person who should decide whether that person Mm -hmm. gets accommodations Mm -hmm. and so I think the kind of equity lens is actually to just make it be official and Mm -hmm. it isn't great if students have to pay a lot of money to have a diagnosis or whatever 
But I think you get into dangerous territory when you're allocating, you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. I'll give you extra time. Or, like, that's not yeah. reasonable. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think I didn't understand at the beginning that I didn't have to provide the student with the extra time. Mm-hmm. Do you order, so they some, could go to this resource center where they can take the test from there. Yeah. Right, that's, that's a really good setup that our university has. And I totally other universities as well. Well, because how can you necessarily find two hours in a classroom for someone mm-hmm. to take a test? And exactly, I think, yeah, and I think that, again, was not something I understood because I did have students in the past who were like, no, but I like taking it in the classroom, but I also want the extra time. And I've gotten a lot more comfortable with you just have to choose. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think getting yeah. comfortable with what's a reasonable. And I think that's a really important thing that I've gotten from discussions with the people who work in the resource center is a reasonable accommodation. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that was missing from my earlier understanding of this situation. Yes, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So tell me what's working for you. Well, it's really similar. Um, Follow the accommodations that come from the Student Disability Resource Center for exams. And if I'm unclear about something, just ask them to clarify rather than trying to bend over backwards so like um this semester i'm doing take-home exams and so they have a whole week to work on the take-home exam and i got you know if a student gets time and a half on an an exam does that mean they get a week and a half for the take-home exam or or how does that work and the student disability resource center just said oh no if it's a whole take-home exam and they have a week for it that's more like an assignment they have plenty of time to figure out how to get as much time as they need to do the assignment or the take-home exam over a week, so a week is fine. So, so that was easy, um, and and just so so yeah, I guess just um, yeah, doing exactly what the the prescribed accommodations are, and not uh, if I don't understand something, I don't have to leap to the assumption that it's whatever's hardest for me, you know, and and then figure totally. out. Um, what actually is appropriate in this case and just ask them for help with that because that's their job and their expertise. That's, yeah, because I think genuinely in the beginning I was like, if I ask a question about this, I'm going to just seem like a jerk. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like I need Mm -hmm. to. So I think that's super, yeah, super important to just clarify. And I think I only started doing that in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about stuff. So yeah. And I have found myself pretzeling myself trying to accommodate. Mm Mm-hmm things that just weren't feasible or reasonable you know so mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah I like that yeah. so reasonable accommodations and yeah we have this whole office in charge of figuring these things out so so utilizing them totally mm-hmm. yeah totally so what are you working on man it's a bit longer than the word <laughs> so I think <laughs> understanding when to say no to something you okay, know and I tell think me more. well I just again some of this, I think, was inexperience in my part, but getting into ridiculous situations where okay. students, like I had one student where I would have weekly quizzes and the quiz was the first 10 minutes of class mm. and they wanted their double time, mm-hmm. but they wanted me to come to class 10 minutes early and start their quiz 10 mm-hmm. minutes early. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that anyway because there were some people were in the room mm-hmm. and it just wasn't, And but they didn't want to go to the disability resource center because then they would miss some of class. And mm-hmm. it just got so like, it was just ridiculous. And it, it just, just got convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't think anyone was short of time for the quizzes. Like they always got most people had, you know, anyway. So I think that would be something now I would kind of shut that down earlier. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and then there is a certain point, again, I don't know, like it, really being mindful of how difficult it is for students with extra situations going on to come into a class and do that. But there is a point where they need to take responsibility. So like mm-hmm. I had students too who forgot to book a test, with, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had just amazing students who were like, I have this extra thing going on. This means I have to be more organized and this is mm-hmm. what I'm doing about it. And it worked phenomenally. But when students forget to book things or, and actually it was the disability resource center who were like, that's 100% their responsibility. That's mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it feels really harsh, but I think having an expectation of, you know, there is this extra stuff going on, but then that means, unfortunately, you have to put in a bit more time mm-hmm. and effort. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think, recognizing I think in again earlier incarnations I might have thought that having something else going on meant you didn't necessarily have to do the same amount of work which Mm -hmm. is not the upshot of the whole thing like obviously Mm -hmm. people need support and accommodations and all of those things but they ultimately they have to do the exact same amount of work as everybody else you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so Mm -hmm. I think recognizing that and then there is Like, I found this a little bit with the pandemic where, so this all came up for me again, where I had a student contact me and asked for digital, um, digital versions of my lecture notes, which Mm -hmm. I, that was totally fine. And I have the PDF of the slides. It's not a problem, but I misunderstood what they were asking for. And I thought they wanted me to type up a transcript, Mm. you know, and there is one, it's not great. That's available on Zoom. Do you know what I mean? Which isn't you know, fully, but I was kind of like, oh no, do I need to do this? And it sounds awful, but I, that's just such a huge amount of work. It's a huge amount of work to make a transcript for every lecture. Yeah. Totally. And it's, it turned out that's not what they were asking for and it's fine, but it was um, like, is that our job? Like, where does it become, who does that belong to? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause that mm-hmm. feels like a lot of extra labor. Mm-hmm. And I think initially during the pandemic, there was a lot of new concepts that I wasn't familiar with about having documents be accessible Mm -hmm. which actually all worked out to be fine and it wasn't I think I got help with doing that but again I was like what do I need to do like do I need to some of my pdfs are handwritten Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so like what is the level but then when are you doing too much more work Mm -hmm. than what your actual Mm -hmm. job is so again definitely my sort of philosophy is always supporting students and wanting students to be successful but also not wanting this huge workload to sort of encroach on Mm -hmm. things so yeah Mm -hmm. I think and I think what you said about what's working is super helpful to just check in with the people in the know who know these things totally totally and I wonder like in this case the student was asking for your powerpoint slides but it sounded like they might have needed you to make a transcript for everything. So that's that's really good that it was just the PowerPoint slides and not the transcript and a good good reminder of checking. If something seems like it's an absurd amount of work, maybe that's not actually what is needed for this student. Right. You know, maybe maybe there was a misunderstanding somewhere. Um, I wonder, you were talking about the 10-minute quizzes at the beginning of class and how you would shut that down. That seems like another thing that I wonder if the Disability Resource Center could help with. Like, what... 
is the appropriate thing to do in this case. Like, maybe that student could take the quiz 20 minutes some other time. Totally, yeah. Or maybe it's actually the kind of quiz where you're going to give everyone plenty of time and 10 minutes is plenty of time. And if she needs 15, that would be fine. It would all be you're going to wait yeah. till everyone's done with the quiz. And so it's actually a different scenario. But this is all stuff that could be discussed and then you wouldn't have to go to all these convoluted Right, and it sounds, again, this sounds, I don't totally know what way I'm trying to say this, but I think I never thought of contacting them because I always thought they were going to tell me to do more work. Do you know what I mean? And in fact, they're very like, oh no, like this, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, they're much more on the side of like what's reasonable. Like they're absolutely Mm -hmm. supporting students, but they're not like, no, the mean faculty have to do all the, you know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. That's really good to know. Yeah. That's really good to know. So what are you working on? Well, you brought up accessible documents. And yes, that's exactly what I'm working on. So my understanding of accessible documents is if a student needed it to be read aloud to them, it needs to be in a format that a machine could understand this is the title, this is the section one, and um, convey that information to the student because it wouldn't be conveyed by the fact that you centered the title because that's a physical thing on the screen rather than a something the instrument would be able to interpret. Mm-hmm. Does this make any sense? Totally, yes. Um, so, so um, yeah, accessible documents. So if it's a Word document, it's not too hard. You just need to use those, like, title and subtitle, like making the text count as a yeah, title or count as a subtitle, okay. as opposed to, like, normally I would just center it and make it bold and a little bit bigger or whatever, but evidently that's not how the machine that could read it aloud would understand it. You have to call it a title or a subtitle. So anyway, that's just a different system of making the Word documents that I can totally get down with. Um, but yeah, the problem I'm having, you were talking about PDFs where you handwrite it. I have a similar thing where every lab period I have notes that I've written on the chalkboard in the lab, and there's four different chalkboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are notes that the students, you know, I, I chat about them before the lab starts. They can refer back to them while they're doing the experiment. Um, and then just so they can refer to them later when they're doing their reports, I take pictures of those and I upload them to our, um, canvas page. And since there's four different boards, I convert them into a PDF and have four different pages of a PDF posted. Um, and every year I kind of update them, you know, I'm like, oh, people got a little confused about this. So I'll write this slightly differently this time. So now the situation is I have this PDF with a bunch of handwritten pictures um, which is definitely not accessible. A machine could not read that to anybody. And um, honestly, I have yet to figure out how to make them properly accessible. Like, I know it has something to do with putting text associated with that PDF, like typing text that then yeah, describes what's a machine in it. could read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all kinds of details. Like, you can do that with a picture, but you can't do that with a PDF. But if I did it with a picture, then I would have four pictures for every single lab period, and that just explodes into a lot of documents. So anyway, I just haven't really figured out. This just It feels like a really small detail. But currently, I have this category of documents that are just not accessible on So I have a question page. for you, mm-hmm. and this is pure ignorance. But, like, do they need to have accessible documents like just in general or if somebody specifically requires them because I guess my first thought is if the students in the lab reading the information off the board Mm -hmm. and then they're using this as a refresher then 
yeah. how crucial is it that they, you know what I mean? But and maybe totally. that's just really me not understanding something. Well, okay. So first, to your first point, yeah. Um, when I get the sheet of paper from the Disability Resource Center for each student, usually it'll say, oh, time and a half on exams yes. and accessible documents. Okay. Or sometimes it doesn't say accessible document. And I've had conversations with students where I say, okay, great. Time and a half on exams, no problem. I'm working on the accessible documents. And then they usually reply something like, oh, good, the, the time on the exam is much more important than the accessible documents, so don't worry too much about that or something. Which, okay. I, you know, I mean, I should still worry about it. It's on their official thing. Um, but yes, I think maybe the answer is what's working for me, which is I should just ask the Disability Resource Center, yeah, yeah. Is this, does this even count, you know? It's yeah. not, it's, it's something they've already seen. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it counts. Maybe it does count. If it does count, how do I make it accessible? But um, it well, might I'm, not even count, you know? I'm thinking because like when I, first of all, my lecture notes often involve a lot of handwritten mm -hmm. equations. Like that works better for me describing how to do a problem. And mm -hmm. then when I do tutorial solutions, I do those handwritten. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I feel like I'm cheating because like when it's like, make this accessible I'm like this is a document with solutions and then they're like great thanks and but it's not that's not really accessible so I don't know I see yeah but then like really and it, this is not said with like it sounds very ungenerous but I can't type all of those mm -hmm. in LaTeX or something like typing out all those equations and sure. math solutions Oh, I just it, it's such a huge job like mm -hmm. that feels like mm -hmm. then it gets into somebody else needs to do that kind of right you know is I mean? that a reasonable accommodation and, and and does the student even need it like I'm not right. sure if this is a case where they do need it if they do need it maybe we should figure out how to do it but I'm not sure if they do well I wonder if really check before we invest all that time sorry right and I would I would hate to have a conversation with a student where I'm like you you don't want me to do this huge amount of work do you because like right. that's no, awful right no, so, no 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 but like but then maybe there just needs to be more detail or nuance in the information you get in terms of accessible documents means mm -hmm. it can never have handwritten stuff or accessible documents means they really like to print out these things, so please have it as a PDF. Or, you know, like, I don't know. Right. I think sure. I just don't know what that means, basically. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think you're right. More information yeah. is yeah. the way to go. Mm -hmm. Like, do the documents only need to be accessible if they are the assignment explaining how, the, how it works, yes. but it's okay if it's answers to homeworks, or is it just never okay? I, like, I don't know. So maybe yeah. we just need to have more of a conversation with well, the that's what, with this student who wanted the slides, like they just really wanted to be able to print out the slides mm -hmm. and take notes on them. Mm -hmm. And that is completely fine. But then, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? To me, when they said accessible, I was like, oh, no, you mean the whole lecture mm -hmm. typed, you know, like not any handwriting or you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think those words maybe mean different mm -hmm. things in different Makes situations me. so yeah yeah accessible might just be a big word that means tons of stuff and we 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 need to know totally. what are the specifics yeah that yeah. makes sense thanks so much claire i feel like i've wanted to talk about this and it's tricky to do it without um well being careful of what students mm -hmm. need but it yeah. is something that's definitely i've found myself in a sort of pretzel situation where i'm tying myself in knots and not knowing what to do Exactly. We yeah. want to meet the students' needs and not unnecessarily tie ourselves in knots in the Totally. Process. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Ruth. 
thanks so much for joining us on the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people you know, if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.